1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode two zero three of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, it's Wednesday afternoon. And some things that happened in the last day or so. Joining me to chronicle all of them, or I guess the one big thing that happened, is the great Eric Cole. What's up, man?
0: Hey,
2: what's going on, man? I'm, I am proud of you
1: for braving your technical difficulties to make this podcast
2: happen because uh it sounds like you're dealing with a uh, something that's pretty awful. <laughs>
1: honestly, it's a bit of a mess over here. Uh, without telling everybody everything that's going on here my my computer is betraying me in a big way so eric is clicking the record button hopefully it sounds just the same as it always does on everybody else's end but uh, i am a little bit frustrated so my apologies if i start throwing things in the middle of the podcast um alas and just just embrace the darkness dude it's totally fine well my frustration uh goes beyond what happened with the braves this week but uh, i guess we probably speak for braves fans at least in my mentions i would say most people are upset right now not everyone but most people are upset because Josh Donaldson is headed to Minnesota to join the Twins. That was the big news that hit on Tuesday and again my apologies for the del- well, I guess the somewhat delayed response on the podcast. I was a, I was in the middle of covering a Hawks game in person, so that's not really conducive to recording a podcast, but Mark Feinstein of mlb.com first broke the news with a 4-year deal for Donaldson to Minnesota later coming with uh, more details from Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan both of whom settled on basically what the deal amounts to for Donaldson in Minnesota is 4 years and 92 million dollars guaranteed with a fifth year vesting option or club option depending on what you believe here uh, and basically the details are as follows it's it's a basically it's a 4 year 84 million dollar deal which is very cheap in some respects for Donaldson then there's a 16 million dollar club option this is according to Jeff Passan for his for the fifth season and that and that option has, a, has an eight million dollar buyout, which which is how you get to the ninety two million dollar guaranteed number. And also, by the way, Passan described the Twins as a quote sneaky favorite end quote to sign Donaldson from the beginning. That was interesting to me. And uh, apparently, they made quite quite an impression on Donaldson in a pitch meeting. And uh, um, he seemingly has, has a nice relationship with Rocco Baldelli, Rocco Baldelli, the manager of the twins as well. So with all that said, this was definitely surprising. I won't say I was absolutely shocked the Braves didn't get him, but judging by our comments, I know Scott's comments and both of ours in the last couple of podcasts, we thought the Braves were going to get him and they didn't. So how do you feel about this? And take me through kind of your thought process as things started to unfold and kind of where you were when the news broke.
2: Okay. So when the news broke beforehand, I thought I was with you guys that I thought he was going to end up with the Braves. Um, what gave me pause for a while is that, you know, there was this notion that he was, like, wanting $110 million guaranteed. That's what it was going to take to keep get him. And so it kind of created this notion with a lot of beat writers who very clearly just didn't know what was going on in terms of the negotiations. That there were, like, $100 million co- offers on the table, like, multiples of them. Uh, but then you see the Nationals drop off and, you know, the Rangers were kind of seeing like they had moved on to other things and some Phillies and et cetera. It just felt like that the Braves were going to end up with him. But and there there are my my feelings on this are complicated, right, because I've been saying for a while that the max I would have wanted to do for Donaldson is like three years, 75 million with maybe a vesting option for a fourth year, Um, because while I am quite certain that Josh Donaldson is going to be a very good player in 2020, I don't I don't think that anyone thinks otherwise where it gets a little tricky for me is when you start getting to that fourth, guaranteeing that fourth year. uh, And in this case, you know what, you know, getting into a fifth year, even it becomes a lot trickier for me because the, the, the back end of that deal, I don't think is going to be very good. And when you ask at the end of the off season, everyone, what you thought he was going to get and what was reasonable to try to offer him three years and 75, maybe a little bit more in terms of the overall dollars, or maybe you had a team option, you know, maybe you had like a player option or a team option for a fourth year. That's where everyone seemed to land. And it seems like everyone talked themselves into a four year deal being just that is just worth it to get this guy. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And if the Braves had signed Donaldson to this very deal, I wouldn't have been upset about it, even despite my stance that I think that three years was where you probably want to be with a Donaldson deal, because I don't think that the terms are so outlandish that. You know, I would be like, "Whoa!" The, the Braves really kind of did did something that was desperate. Um, but I also understand not wanting to go to that to go to that length and to to guarantee that kind of money to this player when you have you have a prospect that you like in, in Austin Riley. Plus you have the fact that you don't think that the, you probably don't think the back end of that deal is going to be very good. And you have to do things like, you know, extending, ex, extending for any Freeman, possibly wanting to do other things in free agency. There are some big free agents that are coming up in the free agent market. And if you do this deal, it might hamstring your ability to do that in the future. So I understand where the Braves are coming from and not wanting to do this. And the most fascinating thing to me is like the Braves are getting killed on this, but this is not a particularly expensive deal for, based on what we were kind of hearing about the re- reporting around Donaldson, but there were a lot of teams that normally throw real money and like kind of a little bit kind of crazy money that weren't in on this either. And the Nationals weren't weren't had fallen off pretty quickly. They signed a bunch of kind of utility types to kind of fill their vacancies, and they're got to look elsewhere to fill the to fill their third base spot. Then you had the Phillies who kind of jumped out pretty early, even though this seemed like a prime candidate to. You know, be a player that they would want. The Dodgers were seemingly never really that interested. And then you have the Twins, who obviously had this kind of previous relationship with Baldelli and were very motivated because they are in a division where it's unclear as to who the favorite is, especially, well, I say it's unclear. The Twins are coming off a 101 win season. They have a chance to add a bat like this when you don't really know what you're going to get out of the Indians. The White Sox are maybe a surging but young team, and then the rest of the division's pretty weak. So, it makes sense for them to kind of make this move, even though it's a little bit atypical for that team in that market to make a deal like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting. Like as much as we thought that they were going to sign him, it is worth at least pointing out that, you know, four guaranteed years for Donaldson is more than some Some people wanted to give him. Um, And a guy at his age, like you kind of get it. I, I do think spoiler alert that the Braves, not, matching this deal is a mistake Uh, I would have done it but I'm not like it's not a point where I'm in disbelief it's it's fairly reasonable if you want to break it down to you know just the common sense take a step back approach and just say you know four guaranteed years for this guy is a lot at his age and also it always made some sense for Donaldson to go to the American League because when you get when, when a guy gets into his you know mid to late 30s being able to DH every once in a while is very helpful. And Donaldson is a good fielder right now. He might he might always be a good fielder. But when you're 37, 38 years old, it could be very helpful to take every couple days, uh, take a couple days every week and be just hit and not have to run around the field. So all those things coming together, I wanted to at least present the counter argument there. It does feel like, and this is speculation to some degree, I want to point out that it feels like the Braves' stopping point was what the guaranteed fourth year. We never got the report anywhere that the Braves guaranteed four years we got their proof that they went to four years but not in a guaranteed fashion and there's been some alluding to that no one has reported that as firm truth that that was where the Braves wanted to stop this thing but there's been some attention paid to the fifth year club option that doesn't really matter to me like I don't think that's a stopping point for anybody because when you when you break it down it's an eight million dollar option like you're guaranteeing eight million dollars early on and paying eight million dollars that that's not gonna be a sticking point in the deal I think I think for me Common sense would dictate that the fourth year guarantee was probably where the Braves elected to bow out here, and if you want to quibble with that, I'm with you 100% on that. If it's me and this is, you know, I said recently on a podcast, I would have gone to like 4110 before I actually started wincing, and that's a lot. That's a lot of money. It's probably more than he could be worth at the end of the deal. But when you break it down to the fact that it was basically 492 is what you're losing him to, that does sting in a lot of respects because if you buy Donaldson as the player that I think he is, and even acknowledging that the back the back end could be ugly, you know, he was by far the best fit and probably the best player available for you to sign and, and acquire on a relatively easy basis. So to draw the line in the sand on the fourth year, if we assume that's the case, um, it is a little bit bothersome. I, I could see why people are upset about it because I think I would be too.
2: Oh, and I imagine there's a few fan bases that aren't particularly happy about it. The defending World Series champions, probably chief among them because, you know, again, this that that donaldson's a really good fit for the nationals too in a lot of ways the rangers are the same way you know the rangers probably don't have the timeline for contention that you know would probably be particularly appealing for donaldson which you know is a big deal for him i would imagine at this stage in his career as well i mean
1: and and, and the twins are good i mean i I think braves fans don't necessarily people that just watch the braves and there are a lot of those people and by the way i don't blame you because i I get it baseball is a very regional sport the twins are really good man like people i think are forgetting that the twins are actually quite good at baseball this is not your uh, older brothers twins that were not good for a long time this is a very good baseball team so Donaldson is not like giving up the chance to compete by going to Minnesota for more money like Minnesota is very good so this is not a situation where he's punting on winning like it's very clear that he can he can and probably will win some in Minnesota
2: yeah and I think that People are drawing some conclusions on this. I think that there is a reasonable argument to make why you wouldn't do this deal with Donaldson that are not the, like, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like, you know, the, the Jeff Schultz, you know, the Braves don't care about championships. And, you know, the, the, there are a lot of reasons to think that he was the best fit. He doesn't cost you anything other than money. You know, you don't have to, get, you don't have to give up a draft pick to sign him like you would with some of the other options that are now on the table. And it's not going to cost you prospects like some of the other options are going to be we're probably going to be talking about here in a little while. He was the best fit, and now the offseason becomes significantly more complicated. But I also think the Braves had a good sense of both what their chances were of signing Donaldson and where they were comfortable in being and whether he was going to even come back to them in any regard. And if that's the case, then they have a plan in place, because I still maintain, and I've said this all offseason since the moves for the bullpen happened, is that the moves that they have made make zero sense, zero, if they don't end up signing some sort of at least one real bat for the middle of the order, and or bring, or I say sign, bring in at least one more bat, possibly yeah, enough. Acquire, possibly
1: to, acquire one more yeah, bat. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, someone who is no longer, is currently not on the team is then on the team and it's a real bat not like you know not 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 a prospect and not just a journeyman type you need someone that's real because you know after the first three hitters the lineup starts getting really dicey I mean we're looking at Nick Marquez as the the cleanup hitter right now unless Austin Riley hits the cover off the ball and that is not a good that is not a division or World Series contending situation
1: it's 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 untenable and that's and that's why, and you you alluded to the Schultz column, you know, part of Jeff's job in life is to be a columnist and promote opinions. So it's not a surprise that he would have a stronger take in print. And that's, that is his job. But I, I do understand the reaction by some to frustration kind of boiling over to say, look, the Braves seemingly, seemingly, again, I will say seemingly drew a financial line in the sand here. And that doesn't sit well with people when you're trying to win a championship, particularly when your best players are making peanuts, aside from Freddie Freeman. So I, I get all that. I, I am with you. I'm not going to burn the, the building down right now on the podcast talking about how they don't want to win championships right now. If we get to March and this is the same roster, I'm going to, as I've said before, I think you have said the same thing. I know, I know Scott has. If we get to spring training and this is the, and this is the team, it's not going to make a lot of sense. Like you you spent spent a ton of money on the bullpen. Like the the lineup is just not good enough. I tweeted this today, but it's people got mad at me. And I don't know. I really don't know why this is not a championship offense. It's just not. And that's not a shot at anybody in particular. It's not. Obviously, the top three guys are awesome. But you have three guys on your roster right now who are above average hitters. You have three. That is the list. Are there are there guys who could be better than that? Sure. Obviously, the young guys could improve. Austin Rodley showed, showed showed flashes. Camargo had a good season two years ago. Dansby still has talent. There are guys on this team that can be above average hitters in 2020, but there are three guys right now that you know are above average hitters, and that is not going to win you a championship, particularly when the rotation might be okay, might be pretty good. It's not the Nationals rotation from, from this last year. You, you don't have three or four aces on this roster right now. The bullpen's going to be good, I think, but If you look at this roster right now and you're honest with yourself, the roster at this moment, and again, it's, it's January. It's still, there's still plenty of time to change this, but at this moment right now, this is not a title containing roster. Can you, can you win the division? Sure you can. The Braves have just done it two years in a row with similar teams, but compare this roster to the rosters of like the Astros and the Dodgers. It's just not as good as those teams. And Donaldson, by the way, Donaldson would not have put them to be as good as the Astros either, probably, but Donaldson is a four or five win player when he's healthy And that guy not siding with you means three or four wins. It's like, it's just, it's it's kind of that simple. And the offense already, we said this before, but the offense would not have looked, you know, incredibly fantastic, even with Donaldson in it. But now you take him out and he was clearly one of your top four hitters. You take him away and there are guys who have talent, but you know, at the moment it's not great. So again, I'm not going to go crazy on this podcast. I do think, just to say it as plainly as possible that if the Braves were able to give him this, uh, Donaldson, this, this exact same contract, I would have done it and not thought twice about it. But it's too early to be like, they don't want to win. It's going to be. You'll hear that heat from us, I'm sure, in March if this is the team they roll with, and I can already hear it now. So there'll be a segment of the fan base that argues, "Well, Anthopolis can fix the team during the season like he did the, like, like he did this year." Yep, he sure he sure can, but you can't also justify punning on time during the season. So we'll see what they do. I do think along the way here they're going to do something, and we'll transition to that at some point on this podcast to where we talk about what they're going to do now, what the options are. But at the moment, you know, Mark Bowman, who's plugged in has basically said that Camargo stands as the most likely to start the season at third base. That's, you know, it's either him or Riley at third base, and then you're talking about an outfield spot that's a that's a platoon at this moment between Marquegas and Duvall. And that's not great. I mean, they're going to have to do... Something for me to not criticize them at this point, even if I've actually liked all the moves they have done so far. That's the thing about this sprays offseason is that we all felt pretty good about it until about two weeks ago. <laughs> and now it's like, all right, well, uh, you lose your fourth best hitter or third best hitter. Have you want to say that and don't replace him? It's going to be rough. But again, they do have time to replace him. And even though none of the free agents left are as good as Donaldson. There are a couple of bats who are really intriguing. They're available and trades are an option. You're not, you you are allowed to trade players, so we will see what they do. But uh, that's kind of my long way to say I get the frustration because I didn't love this when it came through. I have to say the Braves should have paid this deal, but also it's January and uh, I'll save the actual heat for later.
2: Yeah, and again, I do feel like that the it's not like the Braves don't know that this is true. You know what I mean? Like they do. The, the, this the, this this team, despite the improvements to the bullpen, is worse than the team last year. It just is. I mean, it, pro- and, it probably
1: and, it probably is, yes.
2: Yeah, and the Phillies are probably better this year. The Mets are arguably better this coming year, which means that in addition to your team being worse, the teams that you're playing the most have gotten better, which is going to make things a little bit problematic, right? So in the Nationals, I mean, that's kind of a weird case where they have a, like some really good young players. that could. That's a up. very
1: weird team now. Like, yeah. I mean, with, like projecting them from last year to this year is going to be strange. I don't yeah.
2: Know. No Rendon is a big deal, but the team is still really good. So
1: and to, your, I, to your point, by the way, Anthopoulos has said multiple times that they had to get a power bat. So he's not like unaware. <laughs> he's aware that the team needs another bat. He never said, by the way, that it had to be third base. That's a point that we have to make here just to be responsible is like Donaldson was the natural fit, but I thought was repeatedly said we need a middle of the order bat. He didn't, he didn't, he did not repeatedly say we need a third baseman. That's not the same thing. So no, nope. we'll
2: it, it is not. And you know, some of the options, I mean, there, there seems to be just a lot of like confusion as to kind of like what those options could be. And, you know, the, you don't have to get truthfully an option where they get like a outfielder that can actually hit. Uh, and then maybe just upgrading third base a bit through trade or vice versa. You know, like, you know, maybe two trades, whatever. Just like if you upgrade two positions, that does make the lineup deeper. And that, you know, kind of push down some of the bats that we're not exactly as in- enthusiastic about in the lineup, pushing them further down. And that makes a ton of sense, too. Like, there's there are baseball reasons to not give this deal to Donaldson and to go in another direction. But I, I agree with you and what if everyone else is really saying. Um some people were kind of jumping the gun and they're basically like, you know, like ready to burn their brave season tickets. And <laughs> and and like the Liberty Media it's is cheap early. thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, you you can't be there yet. And by the way, um in their defense, payroll is already at like 130 million right now. Yep. Uh, so they're not um I, I have been I have I have I have credibility here. I have been hard on them for not spending money. They're spent they've already spent more money than I thought they might spend, and that was even before this. And they may not get to the 160 or whatever we thought it was gonna be with Donaldson on the roster but they are spending more than they've spent in the past. So that has to be said.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are cogent reasons beyond they're cheap and didn't want to pay Donaldson to not do this deal, but you have to follow through and you have to execute something. You can't be tentative and wait for the perfect deal to fall on your laps because you're getting to the point now where the the free agent options, it's not like they don't know that they're the last couple power bats on the free agent market and they're going to get paid. And one of them, you know, really wants to go back to his original team and might do so, and, you know, then you're like, you also have to kind of factor in, you know, these draft picks that you're going to have to give up, and a lot of the other trade options are really weird, so you have to execute something, and you need to be clear as to kind of what your plan is now, and do so quickly, because your players are reporting to spring training before too long, and like you said, you can't punt on April and May. You just can't, and it would require a lot of things going right that just you can't count on to make your team a like, you know, division leading powerhouse. Um, then you realize, Oh, by the way, we probably need a third baseman who knows how to hit, or we probably need to have a cleanup. <laughs> we probably need to have a cleanup hitter that is going to hit more than six home runs this year. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, like you can't, you can't wait. You can't wait that long. It's one thing to like, wait on a, re- like, well, maybe we need that one bullpen piece so we can clean that up later. Um, like the Braves did this last year where they basically punted on the bullpen completely. And, You know, a lot of things went wrong for them in the bullpen to kind of get to how bad it was. But no one thought that the bullpen was going to be good last year. They thought that there was a chance that they could be reasonable. And then instead, what happened is they had a bunch of guys take steps back. Imagine a like, imagine a world where like Ozzy Alves takes a step back, and what happens with this offense? Or Freddie Freeman isn't right for the first two months because he just had elbow surgery. I could see a scenario if that happens and they don't follow through that this team's below 500 through the first couple months of the season. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No,
1: I no, don't. No, but it, I it mean, just, the, with the current happen. roster, that's definitely a possibility. There's not that. I mean, there's not that much margin for error. You don't have this, you know, ridiculously loaded team where you can afford. That was the secret about last year's team. We talked about it a little bit recently, even. But the the big four offensive guys were healthy all season, and good all season, and yep. they and they kind of had to be. Because the offense was fairly average until the I mean, end. It was until, yeah until the end. But, but I mean, in the regular season, like they were above average, but only slightly as an offense, and that was with all four guys being good and healthy all season long. Like the margin for error is pretty was is pretty slim with the current offense. And pitching wise, I mean, you got some fortunate stuff last year as well. I mean, Mike Soroko is incredible. He's your guy, but like he was better than anyone could have thought he would be last year. Not not, not
2: anyone. Not anyone.
1: Come on, not even you had him <laughs> being that good. Stop. Stop! <laughs> don't do this! Don't do this to me right now. But no, I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll give it to you. You were uh, you were ahead of the pack on everybody on that one. But regardless, um, there was stuff. Basically everything but the bullpen last year went pretty well. I mean, maybe Fulte did not go very well. But um, yeah, it's just interesting. In a lot of respects, to like kind of take a step back and talk about what the team is right now. I don't want to like blow all of our takes on the roster, but I, I do think that everything we've said kind of points to the fact that they they have to. Do something else with the offense. That's not a secret. I think Anthopolis probably knows it. I'll be interested to see what they do. Um, But yeah, before we get to the you know other the, the the other options, I do. We'll spend some time on that. Do you have any final like just donaldson only takes here? Like I wish p- people are mad at him. I get it. That's a fan thing to do. I don't. You know, I have no ill ward, or ill will towards Josh Donaldson. Like I like Josh Donaldson. I think he was very good last year. I think he's someone who I'm entertained by. Who I enjoy. So godspeed to him i'm not upset at, with him it's not one of those things where you know i get that i'm not like a, a pure fan anymore in some respects but i never get i never get mad at players for leaving for more money like it's just what it is
2: yeah i mean like this is his gonna be his last real payday if we're just being honest about it and if that's the case you know why wouldn't he take the most money especially for a situation that he likes uh and it, and, you know it's not like he's going to play for the marlins for a bunch of money he's playing for a contender you you it makes a ton of sense as to where he is in his career. In addition to getting the money that he wanted, if this is the best deal for you know, the best, the best deal for a comparable situation in Minnesota than it was to the Braves, you know, getting them, getting the most amount of money and, you know, he can ultimately, you know, chase down a chase down a world series championship there. In addition to kind of getting that last final payday before he kind of, you know, enters the real twilight of his career, then I'm, I'm all for it. And, you know, he was really, really good for the Braves and he was the re- the reason why the Braves were in the position they were last year. Uh, unfortunately it ended poorly, but you know, he really put a lot of production on the field and no one should be upset with him because ultimately, you know, that's a decision that everyone should be able to make without, you know, being vilified for it because, you know, asking a guy to take a pay cut to pay his hometown team speaks more to that team and not necessarily anything that he's doing.
1: Yeah. That's a good way to put that. And, uh, We'll probably not talk about him specifically a whole lot more moving forward. He's not on the team anymore, but uh, there you go on Josh Dawson. Okay, Eric, um, we'll take a quick break here, hear from the old sponsors, then we'll come back and dive into other options and ballpark names and other stuff. So hold on tight, everybody.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: All right, Eric, we're back um, before we get into the other options. There was a bit of news that broke while we we're on the podcast. Did you see this? Um, The Braves have signed Jan Gervis Solarte to a minor league contract. Huge news from Bob Nightingale <laughs> of USA Today. Um, Just by the way, a $1 million contract. Apparently, if he makes major league club, Solarte is a, a utility guy. Basically, like he'll be competing with Charlie Culberson, I would imagine for a role Somewhere along the way, Culberson is probably a better player, um, but we'll keep an eye on that. That's just, you know, he's 32 years old, not a prospect, nothing like that. But um, I kind of laughed I saw that when you were talking about um, the Braves, <laughs> the Braves signing somebody, and I was like, oh, Young Gervis Larte, perfect. Uh, so yeah, that happened. Yeah, bre- bre- breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> People will have already hopefully seen that on TalkingTop.com Top uh, because I just learned via a story written by our own, our own our own Chris Willis. So there you go on that. Okay. Um, To the actual guys who could replace or somewhat replace Josh Johnson production, um, I made a quick little list of guys to at least check off here. The first name that I wanted to bring up is a name brought up by Mark Bowman of MLB.com and his post after the Donaldson news broke. He brought up Stodium Marte, who we've talked about, but not like in depth at all on the podcast. Um, Bowman did say he was an option. He thought he's under contract for two more years. He's a 31 year old outfielder, but is a very good player could be available. He's been on the market a couple of times as a potential trade target. And he's probably the guy that we've talked about the least that could be an option here. So do you have thoughts on Marte? Like, I think he'd just be good at baseball. So that's kind of where I am on it. But uh, how do you stand on that that potential option? Because it certainly raised my eyebrows when I saw that Bowman included him.
2: Uh, he's the guy that I would like the most of the options, honestly. Well, paired with maybe another upgrade elsewhere. And like you've mentioned kind of some other options down the line where I would pair this with, you know, not, not a guy that's making a crazy amount of money, but a guy that you has hits for some power, you know, he'll draw some walks. He's kind of an all around game that I really like. And putting him in the outfield and kind of having like that's the kind of a bat that the Braves could really use. Is he as gonna be as good as Donaldson? No. He's a very talented guy, and like I wouldn't be shocked if he put up a really good season. But it's kind of hard to kind of put him in that same air as Donaldson because I mean, we're talking about a guy who like, you know, was like finishing like the top twelve of MVP voting. So but pairing a guy like getting a guy like that for a couple of years where you have players like, you know, Christian Pache and Drew Waters kind of to kind of back him up as maybe he is kind of leaves the team in 2021. Like that, like the timeline sort of makes sense. I think the money would make a certain amount of sense uh, and it would allow them maybe to do something else, possibly at third base. But of all of the options, like the problem with Ozuna is one, he has kind of like a weird profile is like, you know, well, it was really bad. Like those bad ball hitters that like, you know, at times looks great, but, you know, at other times he can look pretty foolish at the plate. And you know it's a bit streaky, and you know the defensive numbers have been kind of up and down. So I understand those things. I think Ozuna is a good player, but the combination of not having to worry as much about some of the inconsistency with Marte, combined with like not having to lose a draft pick when you're slaying Ozuna and probably having to pay him more, I think I like the Marte option better. Depending on how much he costs, the the one sticking point I have with Marte is how much Pittsburgh's going to want for him in return. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Starling Marte, and the front office in Pittsburgh just turned over. So it's kind of hard to tell exactly how inclined they are to make moves at all. And, you know, so it's maybe they wait a little while. Maybe they wait until the trade deadline to move them, or maybe they even don't do anything until next off season. But of the options that like, in terms of outfielders anyway, I think I like him the most. The, the, The other guys have real benefits probably over Marte, but there's also some warts that I'm like a little bit wary of. So like of, of the available options, I actually think I like Marte the most.
1: I think as a player, I agree with you. Um, just as, you know, just a guy to plug in the lineup right away. If you don't consider prospects or anything like that, I think he is the, probably the best player realistically. You know, there are guys who are better on the outfield, maybe, than him that we haven't, that we're not going to talk about, that aren't going to be on the list, that could be available in theory. But um, when comparing oh, him God. to Castellanos yeah. and Marcelo Zuna, what? Well,
2: <laughs> I mean, you, you start mentioning those names, and then, y- yes, you are correct. But I'm, Skeptical that,
1: like, the, the Mookie bets are actually
2: realistically yeah, available. Yeah, he, he's not
1: available. Like I mean, I don't think he's really available, but, yeah, I just we'll, – we'll keep it to the realistic guys for now. And if that, if that becomes a thing later on, we'll address it, but alas. um, But, yeah, I mean, the two – the easiest, most projectable thing that the Braves could do right now because it only requires one team's actions is to sign – either Marcel Azuna or Nick because they are free agents. Trades take two teams and it's why it's hard for us to talk about these things until we get real reporting on them because trades are hard to predict. Um, whereas Azuna and Castellanos are both good players and they're both free agents um, that have warts, like you said. Um, Ozuna, I think, is for some reason devices, but I'm not really sure why. Um, there was a good post written. I can't remember who it was now. Um, oh, Mike Petriello, I think it might have been, from MLB.com, writing about kind of why Ozuna has underperformed his his, uh, met- his peripherals at times. That's worth a read, by the way. But at the very least, he's a good baseball player. Castellanos can really hit. Uh, and He he was awesome second half of this year, but he's a terrible fielder. So it's just there's little truly things about bad. these guys. Truly terrible. So, you know, both guys would help the, the lineup, certainly. They would both easily be the fourth-best hitter on the team immediately upon arrival. But you're kind of giving and taking a little bit. Um, I would be okay if they signed either one of them, provided that it was a reasonable contract. Um, I want to make one point about Castellanos. I-, I do think the Braves can get away with him a little bit more in the corner outfield spot if, and I say this as a big if, if you're playing him alongside Ender Ciarte and Roland Acuna in the outfield, that is about the best situation he could possibly be in. Um, it's still not going to be good. But I, I do think if you're if you're gonna do a, if you're gonna do Castianos, I think you almost have to keep Ender, <laughs> because I, I do you, agree can to, you can try you can kind of try to make your outfield defense palatable. Because if you don't if you're gonna do that and try to get weird and have Acuna play a Cunha play center, and I think that doesn't really work. I think you kind of have to have a two good two good defensive outfielders if you're gonna sign to Castellanos. But regardless, uh, those two guys would help. Do you have a pre- preference between the two of them? I know it's, for me, it's all about price. I'm like, what well, you can get those guys for? Because again, they they would, both, they would both help. So whoever's the best value would be where I would probably land on that. But do you have a preference between, between those two guys? Because I think of all the questions that we gotten, it's so easy to talk about those two guys because they are free agents that let's just do it now. Who do you prefer if you have a preference between those two?
2: Uh, I prefer Ozuna, I think, just because I think he's a better all-around player. Um, I think it's going to require a longer commitment to keep to get him, which kind of does complicate some things. Uh, I will say one thing. Um, There has been some tweets and some reporting that Castellanos would be an option as to platoon with Nick Markekis. Oh, that was, I'm, 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 I'm I'm just going to say this now, whatever it's going to cost to get Castellanos, which I imagine will be like three years, 50 plus million dollars. There is zero chance that that means he's a platoon player zero. You might, you might give him days off and let Nick Markekis against a righty or something like that. But Nick, Nick Castellanos is not a platoon player.
1: No, he's I mean you're, you you're, to... you're paying you're paying big time starter money. You're paying him, I, can, I mean, not like ridiculous money, not not dollars of money probably, but he's getting he's going to get a lot of money, and you you're not going to give him that to play him half the time. Um, so yeah, that yeah. was yeah. zero chance. He he might get spelled at times here and there, just to and that
2: that just makes sense to do anyway. And we, yeah. we we've talked about I mean ad,
1: it's plus well, when you're talking right. about his his warts as you've discussed them and the fact that he's a right-handed hitter. I get why it was at least, you know, I guess thought about but no, it's not a thing. Um by the way, he's a year and a half or so younger than Ozuna. So that isn't like game changing, but it's worth pointing out he is a little bit younger and I do think that he is a better hitter. Uh, uh, I I, was, I think Ozuna so too. Was just and, the, and the and
2: the <laughs> shorter the shorter commitment contract wise, it, I mean like I don't I don't think it's to require like a 6 or 7 year deal to sign Castellanos. I just don't think I actually
1: be. yeah, I agree and I, and I don't think by the way, like I said a second ago about his, his second half of the season, he had a thousand OPS with the Cubs after getting there in 51 games. Now really good. that, that probably is not real because the, the previous three years, it was like in the mid eight hundreds, which is already good. But if you believe that he's closer to what he was with the Cubs and, the, and the, that they sort of unlocked some, something with him, that would be even more interesting because you know the tigers are not exactly known for being the best organization in the world. And I said, as someone whose family is from Detroit, I follow them quite closely. Um, Maybe he's a better player now. It's a small sample size enough to where I wouldn't just say that flat out. But even if you just assume he's the guy he was in Detroit, that's a heck of a baseball player in terms of just his hitting. But the fielding is legitimately harmful, like in a way that, you know, we make fun of guys defensively. I think Bartekas has gotten some heat from us in the past. Uh, Castellanos is a lot, a lot, a lot worse than Marquez defensively. <laughs> so that yes. would be a downgrade in that particular area, and that speaks a lot when we talk about the fact that I don't believe Marquez is very good defensively. So when I say that Castellanos is like leaps and bounds worse, that means a lot. He's very bad defensively, like very bad. It can't be overstated, Eric. He's 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 like he's uh, actually the comp that I would make for for him defensively in left field is Evan Gaddis.
2: Uh, Matt Adams would be up there too.
1: Yeah, those, uh, just try to think of the worst. Defensive outfielder that the Braves have had in a while. And those those two guys would be on the list. Matt Adams – and by the way, both, both those guys were not outfielders. Evan Gass was a catcher, and Matt Adams is a first baseman. <laughs> and that's why well, they were so bad. Because well, was well, I mean, Costi-
2: Yeah, he started off in third base. and I mean.
1: Yeah, he was a third baseman, and that's probably why he's a little bit terrible at in left field. But by the way, he was bad, he was bad at third base too defensively. So also I think first. he's just a guy who needs to be a DH and won't be one in the National League. So regardless, at least for I, now. You know, my full thoughts on those two guys are – I think I agree with you that Ozuna is a better player. And if it was the same exact deal for the same amount of years, I would lean to Ozuna. I don't know if that's going to happen. And Castellanos is a little bit younger. He is a better hitter. I do think the Braves are set up in a way to sort of hide him a little bit more than some teams would be. So I'm I'm okay with either one. They would both help. Um, They're not as good as the other guys that we're going to talk about that are trade targets, but they are available. And that is different because using money to – sign a player is just easier and usually better than trading prospects. And you, as a prospect guru, I'm sure know that. But alas.
2: Oh, I mean, otherwise the Braves sort of tried to do it the last two off seasons, and they haven't managed to do that really. They have not
1: done a single big prospect trade. Yeah, they did.
2: They actually moved some guys at the trade deadline for relievers this year, which is you know.
1: But even then, it was like it was like the 18th best prospect in the system. Like they've not done the actual like big, the move that we've all been waiting for forever. The big splashy prospect move has not happened. Nope. Sure hasn't. So we'll see if they do it now. They might, but, um, those guys, I mean, Marte, I don't think wouldn't take that kind of commitment by the way. I think, I mean, I could be wrong about this. What do you think about this as sort of a wrap up on Marte? Do you think the cost prospect wise would be like ludicrous for him or would it be more manageable? Cause I think if you start talking about Chris Bryant or Nolan Arenado, the prospect cost is going to be pretty high. Marte might be a little bit more modest. I
2: think it'll be a little bit more modest, but I don't have a good real read on the pirates if for no other reason that the, some of the trades that the pirates did were like so incredibly weird and, and or bad. They're that always weird, man. They yeah, I don't, weird. I don't I don't I don't know how they value guys and I don't know how the new front office is gonna be valuing by players and what kind of return look the, the pirates are in a situation they probably need to like, you know, get as much of a talent return as possible. But what they think is reasonable for Marte versus understanding that they're not gonna they're going to be like actively really bad if they get rid of Marte. Um, yes. So, so, you know, do they really want to do that? And if so, what, what, what kind of pain are they, are they willing to undergo that pain for X and Y? I think there's going to, it's going to require a real prospect return for them because it, it, it is a guy for, it is a guy for, you know, for, for two seasons. It's not like a an expiring deal or anything like that. It's not a trade deadline deal where you only get in half a season of a guy. But, you know, when you're talking about, you know, some of these other weirder, you know, we have a couple weird situations with Arenado and Bryant where, you know, it's pretty clear that the teams want real returns or at the very least significant salary relief. Um, I think it's going to be a little easier to get a deal done for Marte, but I don't really have a great read on what's going on in that Pirates front office.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, Okay, we can leave that that there for now. So we've discussed Marte, Ozuna. And Castellanos. The other big guy that we've discussed already on the podcast is Nolan Arenado. But as soon as the Donaldson news hit, a lot of people jumped to, all right, Arenado time. And it's like, all right, well, I, I'm I'm more skeptical of that. Scott, and I did talk about that in the last podcast, so we'll not do a ton on it. But um, I haven't got your thoughts on this, Eric. What do you make of any pursuit of Arenado, given obviously the massive contract, even though he's clearly the best player of all of these guys?
2: Uh, I'd be fine with acquiring. I mean, like, but the the, the problem for me ultimately is with the opt out, right? And I would need some sort of assurance. Now, he, Arenado would probably need to be compensated for this because I think it actually re- it's like required by M- MLBPA that if he's going to like a new team is going to like you know void an opt out or something like that that the player has to be compensated for that. Um, and that makes his no trade particularly sticky because you know, hey, we want to take we want to we want to trade for you, but if you want to be with us. You need to, you know, take the opt out out of your contract. Then, you know, you know how much more money would that require for him that you do that if he would even do that? Um, because I don't think you can give up a huge prospect call for this guy if you're only getting him for two years and then he's just going to opt out and become a free agent. Because at the end, the I mean, he's he got a really like a a real extension. That's he's getting paid real money. It's entirely possible that if he plays anywhere close to the player that he's been in the last couple of years, he could opt out and make more. And if that's the case, then you it's not something it's not necessarily a gamble I'd be doing to like that's your big trade is for two years of him. Um, And maybe you make a move elsewhere. But if there's some sort of assurance that either you know for sure that he's not going to give up the opt out and the price reflects that in terms of prospects or he is willing to, you know, take out the opt out. And then all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, the, the amount of money versus the kind of prospects you have to give up to get him and how much Colorado really wants that salary relief in this particular case, then you know I think a deal can be done there. But I also think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Nolan Arenado on their team, uh, several of which have third base needs too. Uh, a lot of the same teams that ha- had needs at third base still have needs at third base, and Nolan Arenado's name still sitting out there as a potential option. So I'm the short version of the story is I'd be fine with a deal for him, but the terms and the the situations around that one are pretty complicated as as it is the case with a few names that we're going to be
1: talking about. Yeah, I totally agree with really all that. I I mean, obviously he would be awesome in this lineup and immediately would give you a lot more optimism about the team in the moment. Um, But it's a, it's a big contract. You have the opt out. You have to give up what I assume is going to be a considerable amount in prospect capital to get him because the Rockies don't need to trade him. They don't have to trade him. Um, He's not like, demanded out he's not done any of that stuff like he's gonna he might just be there and be awesome so yeah we'll see how that goes but i wanted to at least bring it up one more time because it got floated immediately afterwards um any other guys that you think are interesting off the top of your head i mean chris bryant rumors emerged um as i know there's been reporting the Braves at least talked to the cubs about bryant it seems like there's not been a whole lot of traction including the, the local guys have downplayed that multiple times now um I don't know. I mean, I could throw out names all day like Kyle Seager's been a name that I've been intrigued by, but there has not been a whole lot of repeat uh reporting around that either. I don't know. I mean, there's always a the possibility of a out of nowhere trade because Ethopolis likes to work in silence basically. So it, they could just announce an- announce a trade one day that we don't that we don't see coming, but anybody anybody that we haven't talked about that I guess jumps out to you as a potential option either in the outfield or at third. Well, I'm not really interested
2: in talking about Chris Bryant at all until his grievance is resolved because the price
1: you got to know. Yeah, you, you mean you
2: have you have to know, and like it's not even there's no even a point in even like starting those discussions until you know if you're getting one or two years. And would Chris Bryant make this lineup better? Yes, he would. He just would. Uh, he's very good. About a form, yeah, he's a very good baseball player. Um, but what the Cubs are wanting. Uh, versus how much control you're going to have of them, and you know, I don't think even the Cubs, I don't think the Cubs are talking to anyone seriously about him because they don't know either, you know, and the, what those two years mean for their payroll. Uh, because if it's two years, I mean, on the one hand, you get an extra year of control of them, which might great you know, make a, a greater return, but it also might, if they're trying to limit payroll at all, you know, that next year of arbitration isn't going to get any cheaper. And Bryant made plenty of money in arbitration this year, so you know that that, that grievance is really weird, and I feel like they really messed up pretty poorly in terms of like how they manage his service timing. Mean, like when you really bring him up the day after the deadline, you're kind of asking for a grievance and you're kind it of It was the
1: most to... flagrant thing I can yes. ever remember happening. Like, yeah. and they basically, everybody knew it too. Everybody was like, all right, Bryant, the day after, and it was immediate and they just, they pump fake twice. And I mean, teams are bad about this. I, I hate the way the system's set up, but don't be so obvious about it. I mean, it was just so flagrant and obvious what they were doing and that gets you in trouble, which is what it is. Yep.
2: I mean, if they had waited like two weeks, then like there's no case for an arbitrary really and this would have been ruled on already. But because it happened the day after, I'm sure there's like a lot more hemming and hawing about it and trying to make figuring out how, how they want to rule on this because it's going to have wide ranging implications. Um I actually like the Kyle Seeger idea. Uh, I don't know exactly what it would cost to get him from the Mariners. And my understanding is that if he's traded, then his his option becomes a player option, which would, you know, mean that you kind of I think it's like three years, $53 million that you're on the hook for him. Yeah, I
1: mean if if he's the guy he was this last yeah, if he's the guy he's he's been the last, I don't know, year or so, it wouldn't be as appealing, I, I don't think. But he's just a solid baseball player. Like, he's not – that would not be sexy yeah. at all, but it would just be – I'd imagine the prospect capital wouldn't be, like, ridiculous to get him. Seattle's in a different place right now. They're not, like, all in trying to win at the moment. There's just a lot of things that could make that interesting, in my
2: opinion. Well, especially since Jerry Depoto hasn't found a trade that he's not at least willing to think about. He will do so, trades.
1: He's, he's, yeah, he's he's, he,
2: that, that is a guy that will make moves. So, like uh, – a pair of moves where you trade for Marte and you trade for Seager like that. That is an interesting, that is a really interesting
1: lineup. I actually think, I actually think the combo that's more likely uh, not to cut you off is to sign one of the free agents and then trade for Kyle Seager. I think uh, I'll, I'll be more surprised if they make two trades for, for real guys. Cause that, that, that just the cost of that prospect wise is just more than they've been willing to do for a while now. Maybe they, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think, Kind of you get in that mixture where you're spending money on a guy and then you're also spending prospect capital on another guy. So the mixture of, you know, you're paying two guys now, but you at least save some of your prospect capital. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. But in my head, that's where I jumped. It's like, are they really going to do two separate, like real prospect laden trades in a two month period? They might do that. I just don't know if they're it just wouldn't fit the bill of what they've done so far, I guess. I don't know.
2: Oh yeah, they haven't demonstrated that they'd be willing to do that. That's more my preference. <laughs> yes, um, like it. let's be let's be clear about that. Like they haven't done that. Um, but they've also they also had been pretty you know hesitant to sign guys to get a, a, with that have draft pick compensation, and then they signed a reliever with draft pick compensation attached to him this offseason. So I like to feel, <sighs> I, I would like to feel like that there is a certain amount of a change in thought process giving the time on the Braves are on right now. And maybe they might be feeling willing to make the move. And those are two guys that I don't think would require a crazy amount of prospect return. considering no, Especially I with combined, the amount of money It would
1: be substantial, but nothing like insane. No, I agree. I mean,
2: especially since Seeger's making real money and there's like a real concern that he's just not like necessarily worth a ton of money. You know
1: what I mean? By the way, I just, I just remember the, when, you, when, you, when you said the draft pick thing. The Braves do get a comp pick for Josh Donaldson, which we didn't, sure which, I didn't which I didn't say out loud. That, that does matter. Yeah, um, that's a real pick. I mean, you know, you know, you know better than I do about what, it, what, what that like what that kind of value actually is. But that's a real pick, so that's not nothing. Yeah, I mean,
2: it increases their draft pool considerably, and you know, maybe they can. I, I don't know exactly where they're going to put their total draft bonus pool in terms of the rest of the league, but you know, it it jumps them up a bit, considering that they're going to be picking towards the bottom of the first round. Uh, but now they have two picks down there, which, you know, again, that's where you can kind of make some pretty interesting things happen. And they've we've seen them do so, uh, as well as other teams like, you know, the Diamondbacks have done and things like that. So, you know, again, I could see this draft being a really interesting one. And there's definitely upsides to kind of what happened. Uh, but at the end of the day, you need to put a product on the field, not necessarily just keep making interesting drafts.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, we did say this, but I have it written down um, to bring up one more time. Uh, the Braves spending this much money on the bullpen and having the bullpen be the focus of the offseason doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you make the rest of the team as good as it needs to be. Yep. Um, which we kind of said at the moment, like when the Will Smith deal happened, I know all three of us, I think in different podcasts kind of said, okay, this is cool, but you better have leads to protect. <laughs> um, and I, again, I've none of the individual transactions that the Braves have done so far this year, this winter, I should say, have bothered me. They've all been fine to good, in my opinion. But uh, the allotment of resources is going to seem funny if they don't improve the offense. I will say that. Like the uh, Hamels deal made uh, a lot of sense. Funny
2: is not the word I would use, but yeah.
1: Funny, strange, off, uh, out of whack. How many things like I'm, I'm always gonna say this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, out of
2: whack is probably a fair way of saying
1: it. Yeah, I just think that you know the Hamels deal made sense. There were people that one of the Braves to go with somebody else for a longer term, but Hamels for one year is a good value and it's going to be fine, I think. And the rest of the rotation is what it is. Um, but yeah, I just, it doesn't jive to kind of go all in on a bullpen. Like with the way that, with the way that they address the bullpen, it seems like they're hoping the bullpen's going to be like elite, like top three or five in baseball kind of level with the way that, that they spent the money this year. And that might happen. And that can help you in a lot of ways. I think it's almost going to be underrated if it works, but um, it's gonna—they're going to get some heat for the bullpen allotment of resources if they don't fix the offense.
2: Well, I mean, yes, and I don't think it's just going to be because of the amount of money the bullpen's making. I Agree, it's- but it's- <laughs> that, that, that'll <laughs> yeah. be a
1: talking point. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to say that out loud too. I don't know. It's a weird—it's a weird one. I, I wonder if this would have been different yesterday when we talked. Well, I know we, you and I talked offline but i was in the middle of other things i wonder if my reaction would have been different i don't think it would have been i mean i do think that it was a weird day on tuesday i think it was not a great day for the braves and my sort of my final thought on all of that i think we'll transition in a second here to the a brief discussion of the of the naming stadium thing which was something that happened uh but donaldson i don't know i just thought coming in to the Donaldson whole thing. And the last podcast before this one was me and Scott talking about the waiting game. And we were just all kind of just twirling our hair in the, in the meantime. But I really thought if, if as soon as the word broke that he, that Donaldson was going to sign with Minnesota, I thought it was going to be for like 120 million. And then it was not,
2: <laughs> I, I, at least, I I thought it was gonna be more than what it was. Yeah. Once the numbers came out, like there was a lot of feedback. Everyone's like, why? Cause I did a poll on my Twitter I said, okay. Now that we know what Donaldson's asking for, at least that's what's been reported. How many of you would give him four years, 110 million dollars? And the vote in favor of doing so was three to one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, that's a lot of money. Uh, and I, it, it it would have been just easier to swallow, I think, for a lot of Braves fans if the deal seemed to be a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I think the fourth year. Does matter. We said that we said that before on the pod earlier. Like the guarantee fourth year is not nothing, but uh, you know, with all the discussions about the, this, yeah, deal, the
2: expectations. Yeah. We just
1: thought that it was going to be more than this. If the Braves didn't get him, like I think I even said that flatly with Scott the last time. I Was like, I feel like if the Braves don't sign Dallas, it'll be a deal that we that we would not have liked, and that just didn't happen. Like this is a deal that I would have signed immediately if I was the Braves. So yeah, um, and I'm surprised,
2: uh, and I'm more surprised than the Nationals. I mean we don't know what they offered
1: well and they and I, they did the weird stuff where they went out and like made five signings in two weeks after like they seemingly were out by by already they were out probably a week ago or maybe even more but yeah i agree like the fact that they didn't get in for that number either it's just interesting to me because they had they, they are more willing to spend money yep than the braves are 100
2: 100 and they're like coming off a world series win so like they have money, for, you know what I mean? Like they they uh, they, made, they
1: made an extra twenty, thirty, forty million dollars, I'm sure, at the end of the season last year. So, yeah, that's it's all very interesting. That's all I'll say it, about that. It,
2: it, it was it was not how I expected things to go, um, but I am certainly not in the all is lost camp, uh, because there are still things they can do. But the, I will say that now the offseason becomes significantly more complicated for it to be a successful one, because yeah, otherwise, I, that, that other, otherwise, otherwise. If they if they go into spring training and then this is what they are, and they start thinking then they so we start hearing things of we want to have some payroll to make moves in the season, all of a sudden the financial flexibility memes come back and you know we'll write some articles about how we think that's a bad idea, and then I'll basically just avoid social media for the first three months of the season because it's gonna be pretty insufferable.
1: <laughs> that all sounds right uh to me. Last last astral baseball thing on this podcast, I think. Um, arbitration numbers were exchanged and the Braves avoided arbitration with all but one player this week. Uh, Shane Green is going to arbitration. They're about a half million dollars apart, which isn't a big deal. I don't think, you know, arbitration is not something that anybody enjoys, but not a huge discrepancy between those, between what the Braves offered, which is 6.25 million to what the, uh, green camp wants 6.75 million. The other guys, um, the Braves saved about $2 million when compared to the, um, trade rumors estimates, those are estimates for a reason so they're not always going to be right but the brave's payroll is a little bit lower than we thought it might have been at this particular moment because of those moves um the i guess the, the most notable one was faulty getting about a million dollars less than projected um doesn't really matter i mean this stuff is just it's just kind of record keeping for the most part which is why we didn't leave with there to talk about this more but uh do you have any Any thoughts on the, uh, I guess, the quote unquote savings uh, when when compared to what we thought? Because payroll is at like 130 right now, I think. That depends on where you fall on the accounting stuff with the buyouts from Arcakis and Flowers and Julio and Billy Hamilton. Because if you want to add those in, that's another $8 million. It's a lot of money. Um, But if not, they're at like 130, and that's kind of where we thought they were going to be for the most part.
2: Uh, I will say that with the faulty arbitration number, uh, kind of asking around like the the Braves and those covering them, that it did feel like that the six or six and a half million uh, arbitration number was kind of a number that was already in everyone's mind for him. Mm. Uh, And the the seven and a half million uh, estimate from trade rumors, I think was just more kind of uh, this is generally what this type of player will get in arbitration type thing. Um, and I don't think either party wanted to do arbitration again because I mean, the, the, they were separated by like a very small amount and they ended up yeah. going to arbitration last time.
1: That was a weird uh, one, just, by the way. We talked about it on the podcast at the time, but that was, was like, really, why are really you going to arbitration for this money? <laughs> it yeah, was such I, a small number.
2: I think they were just both like, we'll just whatever the arbitrator decides is fine. Uh, I don't think there was a ton of acrimony over it, but at the same time, you know, uh, it was nice to kind of see that, that there wasn't an acrimony thing. And you know, it, saving over the estimates is good, is good uh, but I don't think it's like a crazy amount of money that's going to make a big difference either way. So overall I mean it's fine uh and the I saw the green going to arbitration simply because I'm sure that there was going to be some sort of disagreement of you know he sees himself as kind of a closer maybe being able to get more closer to closer money uh versus you know the Braves aren't using him as a closer right now so you know maybe making him a little less um you know I, I Part of me wonders why they can't meet in the middle, but, you know, at the same time, a half a million dollars is still a half a million dollars, even if it's small in the grand scheme of things for a baseball team. So, but it's not something that I think is going to, like, make either side, you know, like, you know, jump up and down if they, you know, lose an arbitration or anything.
1: No, and it shouldn't really affect anything in terms of just the operating stuff and Unless no. it affects operating and the way that they do things as a baseball team, it doesn't affect me or you. <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. It's, well, it's, and it's, and, it's, and this isn't an eight
2: yeah. It's not an eight million dollar difference where like you yeah. know, it could like greatly impact your ability to make a move one way or the other. It's just you know it's more of like kind of an accounting thing. I think else.
1: all of the uh, other ones other than faulty were within like a half a million or so of the estimates. So whatever. Okay, last thing before we get out of here on a pseudo emergency podcast on a Wednesday, um, the Braves now have a stadium name again. Um, RIP RIP to SunTrust Park Um, it's, it's Truist Park which is not a surprise to really anyone but what I wanted to say about this and I don't know if you agree with me or not I found it comical that the Braves did like the full mysterious rollout massive press conference we can't tell you what the name is kind of thing and had this huge thing only to say that it was Truist Park which was the assumption that everybody had and there was nothing special about it whatsoever I thought that was just it, it's. I guess it's ultimately harmless, but, it, but I thought it was kind of ridiculous, frankly.
2: Uh, I did think it was ridiculous, but it wasn't surprising to me simply because Truest Bank and that Truest branding is so new that I think that
0: there was the like PR. Uh, they, they they
2: want they want that PR. I know why that. They, didn't. they they, they want they want absurd. to be able to do that rollout <laughs> in any way that they can. Uh, do I think it's silly? Absolutely, uh, and I have pretty strong feelings in what I think they should have done, which would have I think still kind of given truest what they would have needed in terms of having that branding around the park. Um, and like, I don't, I don't like the, pur- I know this is a silly thing, but I, I don't like the purple at all. Um, it doesn't seem like it goes, I mean, I understand, I understand that SunTrust colors weren't exactly like going with the Braves theme any- either, but I'm just, it's, it's, it's no. not really a color scheme that I like very much either.
1: Um, hashtag on up. That, that was the question of the day from I, I, I believe it was from our own Scott Coleman. What happens to hashtag on up Eric? I want to know. I have questions. Uh, I, I am hopeful for Kevin McAlpin's
2: sake that it is, in fact, a thing that is going away, because I, I have a feeling that that, was, that gets a little taxing, having to put the on-up hashtag on basically anything
1: that he writes. Hashtag um, on-up. Um, just so you know, just so, just so you say it out loud, what, what did you want them to do? Because I think we might be on the same page here.
2: I, and and a lot of people were on this. I mean, this isn't just me. I was saying this early on, but a lot of people were on, I'm on the same page here. I think that Hank Aaron Field presented by Sun by Truist Park or at Truist Park or something like that allows Truist to kind of have their branding. They could still put the same amount of signage around, you know what I mean? But they could also kind of incorporate Hank Aaron Field and we and fans fans can call it, you know, the Hank or the Hammer or whatever or Aaron, you know, going going Hank Aaron or anything like that, which has a direct tie to what the Braves done have done historically. And I think would be a really cool way to honor Hank Aaron while also kind of giving a nod to the brand, you know, to understanding what the branding is. I understand why that didn't happen. Uh, And it's worth noting that, like, I think that everyone was aware that that fans really wanted this to happen. So now they're going to, like, renovate baseball fields in the metro Atlanta area and name them after Hank Aaron, which is not a small deal. I, I do appreciate them doing that. Uh, and I just think having more places where people can play baseball is just good in general, especially, you know, nice facilities, regardless of what your income or where you live, things like that. But in terms of like the park and the everything as a symbol, I would have greatly preferred that, even though I understand that given the amount of money that Truist has put towards the sponsorship deal. And they added more on to this deal. This deal has been extended now. Like it's, it's, you know, they got more money out of all this, which I assume that the Braves probably leveraged seeing the fact that I think Truist Park is among the bottom five worst t- names for a park <laughs> in Major League Baseball. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think you would have a trouble time arguing with anybody. Uh, even just look, listen to the, the beat writers talk about it. You know, I mean, guaranteed rate field is really bad, but this one's up there in terms of bad... But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. It does give more money to the team, and it's just kind of the nature of the world we live in. So I get it. That kind of, you know, keeping Wrigley Field's name, Fenway, things like that, that, that just doesn't happen anymore. It just doesn't. And it
1: doesn't. I mean, I don't know. We're saying the same thing. I'm not surprised. You're not surprised. You know, I didn't have my hopes up too high. I just thought there, I guess it worked on me because I thought with all the cloak and dagger that they actually might, might do something different. Like yeah, I they, think got, the they got they got you. They got the, you. The the assumption was the whole time that they were just going to make it Truist Park, like because that's just what happens. You just change the name of the company, so you change the name of the stadium. Like that was like okay. And if they just put that, if they if they just done the press release, I think people would not have been upset. Um, but the way they did it bothered people, and I think I understand why. Like it's not the biggest deal in the world. I I totally grant that. But they they made it seem like they were going to they were going to do something else, and they didn't do that. So. It was for PR. I, I get why they did it this that way. I just you know, it would have been good it would have been good to to sort of acknowledge Hank Aaron in some way. And like you said, they did a little bit to do that, so that's that's good. But um yeah, I, I think though if you're from a brand from the branding side, it, the minute you name it Hank Aaron Field at Truist Park, no one's ever gonna say the full name. So I think they probably do that. <laughs> or, or
2: say the word truist ever. Correct. Which- it sounds like a marketing student's attempt at the last minute to create a brand. Well, yeah. At the end of the day, the the name of the company is bad. So. Yeah, that, and <laughs> that's <laughs> not. The, and that's not the Braves' fault. That's not. No, no it's not. It's not like you know, John Sherholtz is like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. That just didn't happen.
1: You know, it just, is. Uh, it is better than Guaranteed right Field, though. To your point, point. and that's by the way, that's where the oh. White Sox play. For people that don't know don't know that that is an all timer. It Really,
2: yeah, is. yeah, it's really bad.
1: <laughs> guaranteed Rate Field, at least like. You know, with Truest, it's it just sounds kind of funny, so it doesn't sound like ridiculous in that way. It just sounds like a weird company. Guaranteed Rate Field is just so bland; like people don't even know what Guaranteed Rate means. It's just like this insane sounding name. Like I don't know, Truest just sounds like Comer. You know, the Tigers the Tigers played in Comerica Park, and yeah. that just doesn't sound great. But it's like, what the heck is Comerica? It's kind of the same thing as Truest. It's like, okay, Truist will probably be more famous soon because you know citrus is kind of a big company but uh yeah it just it was a mess i don't really care all that much at the end of the day um but it would have been cool to refer to the stadium as the hanker or something like that um and that's
2: not gonna happen and there's gonna be some pretty funny you know tweets and puns and jokes using the word truest as a result of this which you know it's a small benefit but it's one nonetheless
1: oh particularly early on when uh People are referring to it as that, and it's going to just sound weird. As someone who just went through this, yeah. I covered the Hawks, and they changed the name from Phillips Arena to State Farm Arena. And I, I think I said the, the wrong name about half the time for the first you know, 30 games of the first season. That's going to happen to us for sure next year. I'll be referring to SunTrust Park in previews or something like that. It's just, it's going to happen. I'm going to do some things that are wrong. Um, But, yeah, yeah true story. Plus, the,
2: the, the abbreviation TP, I'm sure, is going to be used by a fair bit as well. You mean, you
1: mean for Terry Pendleton? Yeah, that's what it means. Uh, Yeah, that's what I meant. Former MVP of the uh, the National League. Um, Anyway, well, Eric, we've covered a lot of ground here. I've said all I have to say, probably too much, and uh, I appreciate you doing this with me. Please plug anything you have going on because right now, um, it was unfortunate timing for the uh, Donaldson stuff because the prospect lists are a a headliner for the year for me from you guys on our site. um, And they're coming out. As we speak, they've already been what two or three installments out already, with uh, two more to come. Am I right about that?
2: Yep, you are right. And uh, even though that we've had some news that kind of break, to kind of have Braves fans' minds elsewhere, if people are still shouting at us about how wrong we are, or saying nice things and being you know you know happy to have the some content about the minor leagues to talk about. Uh, we are through with three installments. We have two more to go with the top twelve prospects. Um, those are going to be coming out at noon on Thursday and Friday. Uh, for those who aren't aware, we do a top thirty prospect list both the preseason which is what this one is as well as at the midseason to kind of incorporate draftees uh had a lot of movement on this one and i will say there's also a lot of really close tiers uh some people are really kind of getting upset about you know guys being ranked for uh pretty far down uh, where they or up uh based on where they, they think they should be but we had a lot of really close voting particularly in the middle of the list uh where like we had basically like eight places separated by a total of like 14 points in a composite which is basically nothing So, you know, I will say for those that are getting upset, uh, think of these more as tiers and not necessarily as like hard and fast rules or rankings. I did put that as kind of, I did write that in the initial article saying, hey, you know, don't like get too hung up on like, you know, a guy being exactly number 10 versus number exactly number 11. Uh, But people are being doing that anyway, because that's just what the internet is. Um, I will say though, that I think we have a lot of really good information and a lot of really good and interesting names that we're talking about so far uh, that we've talked about already and that we have coming as well. Um, And, you know, I will say that the top four or five names are going to be ones that were fairly consistent with all of us and very little deviation. But after that is where things got a little bit more, a lot more deviation in terms of, I would say actually top six. Uh, After that, there was a lot more deviation and a lot more variability. So I'm happy with the list, uh, even though I'm sure some people won't be. And I really do think that there's still a lot of really interesting players to talk about in the system. And hopefully you guys are getting to see that this week.
1: Yeah, that's a required reading for me. I am, of course, not a big prospect person, but I learn a lot from those things. And uh, I'm sure Eric and uh, the company on the Road to Atlanta podcast will be discussing that at some point in time. Um, At some point, even on this show, because I do a little bit of that stuff, I will probably bring Eric on and grill him about what happened on the list. So stay tuned for that. But check it out. Please read. Yeah, and Road to Atlanta will be next week, too. There you go it has to happen. Yep. Eric.
2: Sorry, it's not it's I there is audio of me saying it. There will be a road to Atlanta where we will be discussing in depth the the list and we will take listener questions. So if you have your, you know, anger about the list or real questions about what was going on, you know, you'll be able to send in your questions and we'll do our best to answer. them.
1: There you go. A commitment from Eric. It's now in the audio annals for all time. All right, Eric, well thank you for joining me my friend. Uh, we will do this another time in the near future. I'm sure. I'm not sure now if we'll have a podcast this Sunday. We were going to have one regardless this week, but because this podcast is now occurring as you, as we speak, um, if nothing happens between now and Sunday, we probably won't have a podcast. But you know, within the next week and a half or so, we'll have a new show. And if something else happens, we will definitely gather uh, in the off season. Obviously, the normal routine is a little bit altered by news and just schedules and all that stuff. But once we get back into the groove, we'll be back in our Sunday normal time slot. Um, the vast majority of the time not every week but most most weeks so stay tuned for that but the best way to get the podcast in your ears quickly is to subscribe so pick whichever podcast platform that you want to choose from apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher all those places check us out on whichever one you choose and thank you for listening everybody as for eric i will be myself and thank you for listening we'll see you guys next time